the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Hey, Cover 3 listeners, it's Sportsline Day. That's right, and that means that you've got an opportunity to go to sportsline.com slash join and use the promo code TROPHY to get your first month of Sportsline access for just $1. Listen, you're going to see Sportsline experts on CBS Sports HQ all day. You're hearing them here on the CBS Sports and the 24-7 Sports podcast, and you can go find that exclusive Sportsline content at cbssports.com and across multiple CBS platforms, including Facebook pages and Twitter accounts. Now, what can you get? Well, you can get DFS lineups in every sport from DFS pro Mike McClure, who's made nearly $2 million on DFS. You can also get NFL picks from a proven computer model that went 30 and 15 on its top rated NFL plays last year, including 20 and 8 against the spread. Since Sportsline launched, anyone who has followed the computer's A-rated NFL plays is up $7,000. The model also crushes in college football. It entered the season up 4000 bucks on top-rated college football picks against the spread. Plus, experts like R.J. White, who's cashed huge in the Super Contest two of the past four years, legendary capper Hammer and Hank Goldberg, Mike Topdog Tierney, Larry Hartstein, and number one college football expert Josh Nagel, and much, much more, including today's guest, that's right, Sportsline's Kenny White. So head on over, sportsline.com slash join, promo code TROPHY to get your first month for just $1. Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Barton Simmons. I'm Chip Patterson. Sports lines, Kenny White coming up in just a little bit. And Barton, we've got to jump right into potentially one of the most impactful injuries that we have had to the national championship race so far in the 2019 preseason. Reports out of Tuscaloosa. We are still awaiting an official comment, I believe, from Nick Saban. But it does look like a knee injury will prevent Dylan Moses, the superstar inside linebacker, uh, from being able to participate with the Crimson Tide, let's let's start with um, your because because it touches on a lot of things we've talked about, including a potential red flag for the Alabama defense. Um, you know, what's how are you feeling right now uh, about the Dylan Moses injury news? Well, t- tell me what you think about this, Chip. Do would can you think of a non-quarterback? whose injury could have a bigger impact on the college football landscape in 2019 than Dylan Moses. No, absolutely not. He's the best player on the defense. Right, right. The 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 potentially the best team in the country in an air in a spot that is critical to their success 
in a position that is by far their thinnest at a spot that is critical to sort of aligning everyone around them to getting the calls, getting the checks, um, making sure they're sound. And behind him is, well, behind him is a true freshman, but also next to him is a true freshman. And the, and the true freshman next to him is a guy that's only been playing linebacker for two months and was a summer enrollee and was playing cornerback in high school. So now Alabama has two true freshman linebackers and they're two true freshmen who are better than most teams starting linebackers. But that's not really the point. They're still two true freshmen, and it's not about beating Duke. It's not about beating Tennessee. It's not about beating South Carolina. It's about beating LSU, Auburn, Clemson, Georgia. And this, I think, puts some some real question marks. I mean, there are already some question marks about the depth that Alabama's linebacking group after Josh McMillan's injury. Just the fact that, that as talented as Christian Harris is, that true freshman that played cornerback in high school, as talented as he is, and he is very talented, the fact that he is being thrust into a starting role, I think, tells you where their depth is at that position. Um, and so I just think this couldn't be – first of all, it just sucks that we don't get to watch Dylan Moses play, and it sucks for him. Uh, but it also is is a pretty brutal blow for this Alabama team. Freak athlete, uh, incredible instincts, super. I mean, again, I said superstar at the beginning, but I really mean, I mean, he has been uh, from the, I remember his freshman season, he, in the, in the very first game of the year, I think it was in that Florida state game, like uh, gets his, his paw in on a special teams play and pops the ball loose. Like he is the kind of game changer that it is, uh, hard to represent. We're going to have Kenny White on here in a little bit. And, you know, that's that's one of those good questions that I think we have for odds makers is, you know, how many points is, is Dylan Moses worth? Because to me, just off the top of my head, I would bet that uh, Dylan Moses, yes, is worth more to a, a point spread than any other player on the Alabama defense. And I would, I would bet that for Alabama, even as talented as they are at the next level, the experience and the the level, I mean, it's, it's a future NFL draft pick right here in Dylan Moses. I, I would bet his absence, and by the way, late, latest check of the markets, we haven't had much adjustment on that, uh, on that Duke spread so far. So people are still expecting Alabama to roll in that spot. But I mean, he's a, he's a, you adjust the point spread, like a point, point and a half for every game of the year. Yeah, and I think the the with with Dylan Moses, the thing that makes it tough to really calculate uh, in terms of the impact is there might be big plays, and it's not as if the replacement linebacker will have missed a tackle, but it's like you know the they lose contain or there's a there's a there's a, a gap open. That sh- that wouldn't have otherwise been there because pre-snap Dylan Moses got them lined up correctly. Uh, where it, whereas now he he won't be there to do that. Or you know maybe they can be more creative and uh, exotic in terms of some of the looks and and packages that they throw the defense. Whereas now I mean again you got you got the quarterbacks of the defense as a couple true freshmen. Um, and so it's just I think it's hard to really calculate exactly what this is going to mean it's just it's just not good it's not good for 
an Alabama team that is going to need um, those margins when you get to the you know those four or five teams that I talked about. Okay. Um, also, news out of Tuscaloosa. We've got some first-half suspensions for the season opener against Duke. Najee Harris, uh, starting running back, Terrell Lewis, and, uh, and wide receiver Devonta Smith. Looks like they will be among the players missing some time here uh, against the Blue Devils. We catch it pretty much every single year uh, with some of these high-profile teams, especially when it is a spot where I think that Nick Saban knows that having a little bit of uh, disciplinary options and action against Duke that maybe he wouldn't have had in a, in another high-profile opener. So do you do you look at this just sort of Alabama locker room, the injury to Dylan Moses, the suspensions coming out? Are, are you wavering at all about sort of your belief about what the uh, what the expectations are for the Crimson Tide moving forward? Well, I, I um, you also didn't mention Brian Robinson's missed the first half too. Wow, uh, this Duke game. So it's kind of wild how many players are going to miss uh, miss a little bit of this Duke game, if not more. Uh, I I don't. I'm trying not to overreact. I have Duke. I have um, Alabama winning the national championship. There's a little temptation for me to say this is enough, as close as it is to make me think Clemson may, you know, may be able to, to edge them. I'm probably not going to go there officially, but, um, but I mean, it's, I think it has that kind of impact. I, I really do. It, if the games that are going to challenge them the most are going to be at the end of the season, then I'm going to go back to uh, sort of some, some conversations and some vibes that I got from Alabama in Atlanta prior to the Georgia game. Uh, Alabama staffer mentions this. This is about as banged up as we've been all year. I can't believe that we got to this point. And then that team goes on to go blow for blow with Georgia. Of course, Tua comes in in the second half, leads them back, throws the game-winning touchdown pass. But if there's any, um, if there's any recent sign to point to the fact that this is not something that is uncommon for the people around that building and inside and around that locker room. We've had a lot of, you know, a lot of changeover in terms of the assistant coaching. You know, we've always got analysts and graduate assistants coming in and out. But if you're an Alabama fan who is shaken by this news, I would point out that we have had in very recent memory, very, very banged up Alabama teams still be able to go the distance, make it to the championship game and win that championship game. It of course is just, uh, it is, it's something that's tough to take right out the gate. You know, you're going to be able to get by Duke, New Mexico state, South Carolina, Southern miss Ole miss without too much trouble. But October 12th at Texas A&M, I think you got to hope that those freshmen are uh, brought up to speed by then. Yeah. I, and I mean, it's going to be fascinating to see those guys develop. I wouldn't put it past them to be, um, big time players played in the season. Uh, but again, it's just hard to it's really hard to get a a handle on what this means in the internal workings of that defensive room, um, the leadership you lose, some of the intangibles you lose. So, um, yeah, it's just a, it's, it's it's not the kind of news you like to hear preseason. Just in elsewhere in the SEC, uh, Aubrey Solomon will be eligible in 2019 for Tennessee. This is a big boost for Jeremy Pruitt's group. Aubrey Solomon, a, a former top prospect who, uh, I guess Barton, I'll, I will ask this as sort of the starting point for, 
um, for the the news is Aubrey Solomon. At what point, or do you know why uh, it just never worked out at Michigan? Is there any reason to be concerned, or having evaluated him and followed his story, what what sort of brought us to this point where? you know, never really had much of an impact at the Wolverines. And now, you know, what can be expected with the Vols? I think it's too early to tell on on sort of what happened in Michigan, whether there's reason for concern or not. I mean, this is uh, what I think is redshirt sophomore season now. Um, so, you know, he's only been around for – a couple of years, I think I'm, I'm, you know, I think you got to get. And he's he's super talented. Um, I think Jeremy Pruitt said today he's a guy that I think could be a, a three down guy for them. Uh, and look, Tennessee needed this good news on the defensive line after losing Emmett Gooden, their their best defensive lineman uh, and, a, and a future NFL guy probably uh, lost him for the year preseason. Um, that. That's that's a weakness. That's a tough spot for them. And so to get Aubrey Solomon, even if he's not the five star that he was billed to be coming out of high school, if they just get a, uh, you know, if they just get sort of a fraction of that, then that's I mean that's a plus. They they just need to build that sort of depth. Do you expect him to be able to hit some of those expectations that were set for him? I don't know. No, well. I don't know. I don't know. Your voice, I, I guess, your voice is saying no, but it sounds like the the optimism, the the built-in optimism of Barton Simmons wants to believe that that that's still in there and that that potential well, it, is still there. I, I mean, I think the talent is certainly still there, but look, we we and and I and you want to give players the benefit of the doubt, but but reality is like usually if he's as good, if he's like five-star good, he would have that w- he would have emerged by now as that guy. He would have been devastating to Michigan to have lost. And I don't know that those things have happened. So now it's on Tennessee to uh, to get it out of them, to pull, to, to mine that ability out of them. Um, I was at Tennessee last week, and I didn't ask specifically about Aubrey Solomon, but he never really came up. Mm. And so I don't know. I guess it doesn't – and hey, at that point he wasn't eligible or whatever, but – it didn't again, like usually like the guys that are just like studs, they're they're coming up in conversation one way or the other. Is this like um, a Kenny Bigelow situation where like Aubrey Solomon's gonna play well in a game and people are gonna be like, Oh yeah, Aubrey Solomon, but like maybe they're like Ken, Kenny Bigelow was uh played at West Virginia last year, right? Right. Yeah, and then there were times where he was great, but I don't think he was an was he, you know I don't know if he was like all big twelve defensive linemen or I don't know if he was you know one. Well, of- the reason the reason that you're you're thinking about him in this context is because the game he just balled out was uh wasn't it Tennessee like first game of the year? Oh yeah, Kenny Bigelow <laughs> just wrecked shop in uh, the Charlotte Belt kickoff game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just like Tennessee couldn't get a snap off because just Kenny Bigelow was just up in everybody's grill. So. Hey, if if Tennessee gets one Kenny Bigelow game out of Arby Solomon, hey, it, it's it's a it's a win. Well, uh, Kenny Bigelow, former USC Trojan, uh, brings us to news out of USC as Jack Sears, after losing out on the quarterback battle to JT Daniels, the incumbent starter, he posted a note to his Twitter account 
um, informing fans that he has in, entered the transfer portal. He has told Clay Helton that you know, he's going to continue working out with the team and he's available if needed, but he wants to open up the door to be contacted by other schools about the potential to play elsewhere. It brings up an interesting role in the transfer portal world, which is of the quarterback who wants to be able to pursue uh, playing elsewhere but yet isn't totally giving up on uh, hey if you need me like that this the statement seemed rare or at least I wasn't as prepared to put wrap my head around the idea that Jack Sears is still going to practice still working out with the team and basically standing around saying if JT Daniels gets hurt in one of these first four games and you need to go to me I'm ready to go but just FYI if y'all are sticking with Daniels I'm out of here I mean that's a it's a very in half in half out kind of position. And I, I don't know. How do you feel about that? No, I, I feel fine about it. I, and I think it's a good reminder because so often, all right, name goes in transfer portal. He's gone. Uh, re- report comes out. So, you know, James Jones is in the transfer portal, uh, commence tweeting about kids these days, you know, like, Oh, quitter. Oh, he's in the transfer portal. Like what? <laughs> ah, that's that's not how we were raised back in my day. It's like, well, let's. This is a good reminder of what the transfer portal, the purpose of the transfer portal, like why we created it in the first place. Not we. Why the NCAA created created it in the first place is because it's supposed to allow these guys to explore their options and. I think I, I kind of respect the statement by Jack Sears to be like, look, I'm still on the team, still working out. I'm still here here to help when needed. I, but in order for me to have the opportunity to transfer, I'm putting my name in there just to to explore it. Like, it, it, you, I'm sure when the transfer portal was created, the idea was like for these guys to to explore these options more anonymously. And I don't know that that it was ever assu- like assumed that instantly reports would go out when a guy puts his name in. Um, and and so to me, this is just, hey, this is uh, understood. Like, hey, this is like going to Coach Helton in the old days and saying, I'm thinking about transferring. And mm-hmm. Coach Helton says, okay, think about it. Let me know. Um, so I'm good with it. Do you believe that USC will need Jack Sears? No, I, no, I don't. Plus, like I think Matt Fink was running with the twos, anyways. Oh, okay. So I mean, yeah, I think I mean, and and which is in some ways surprising. I mean, Jack Sears is big, athletic, and strong armed, but uh, so I'm almost I'm a little surprised he hasn't emerged more during his career at USC. But he's I think he's got talent. At least he, I thought he did a few years ago. Do you, we need to reach out to Brady Quinn and get him on next week? or soon because he was dragging me in texts about my USC pick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Brady ain't going to let you off the hook if he, if he thinks that you're throwing some trash takes out there. (laughs) So yeah, we got to get him on and, 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 uh, and, and get him to get this thing right. I mean, it was just like, uh, uh, like, LOL, USC, LOL, have you seen how they are up front? SC, LOL, Daniels, my, I mean, 
He just Fresno State ain't a gimme. I mean, he was just he was laying into me. So I gotta <laughs> we we gotta get him on either next week Tuesday or Wednesday. And I'm sure that the uh, I'm sure that the the quarterback is probably a, another another position on uh, of of concern for him. Uh, elsewhere in transfer news, Kelvin Joseph, a former top prospect, uh, announced that he's going to be transferring from LSU to Kentucky. Does uh, what's what was your read on Kelvin Joseph coming out of high school, and uh, and does this news come as a, a big surprise to you, or is it a big loss for LSU? I mean, he'd been yo-yoing in and out of the transfer portal. It's a loss. He's good, but it's not devastating. He's probably one of these like hybrid, like he could cross train corner or safety. Um, good player, but LSU's like no no offense to Kelvin Joseph, but. Like he is a, and no offense to Kentucky, but he is a star at Kentucky and just a guy at LSU. Um, just in terms of like the the bodies that come through those programs, um, he's more rare at at Kentucky. So you know what? Like I, that's, that's in some ways probably hey, that's that may not be a bad move for him. Um, another one though that I thought was interesting that popped up. And and feel free to circle back on Kelvin Joseph. You had more on that, but did you see Oliver Martin at Iowa got uh, cleared to be eligible immediately um, from the, from transferring out of Michigan? No, I did not. So I like that one. I think he's a kid that it was was about to have a pretty good year at Michigan, and and brings some juice to that Iowa offense that. Uh, that they could use. So that to me, that's a, that's a nice one. Do you think that he becomes the best wide receiver in the Hawkeyes offense right away? Uh, he might be the most talented. I, w- I don't know if he's the best. I mean, there's certainly more proven guys like Brandon Smith comes to mind. What's the, uh, the Smith Marset kid, I think is the other kid's name. Who's, who's a good player. Uh, but I think he does something a little bit different. He's more of that shifty slot, you know, separation kind of kid. So I just think they could, they could potentially do some do some fun stuff with him, and and I, I think he could, like as of right now, I think it would be, you know, a little bit presumptuous to say he's the best player in that receiving room, but it wouldn't shock me if by the end of the year he was. Uh, any other transactional stuff stand out to you before we uh, throw it to Kenny White here in just a second? Nothing pops to mind, but I do, there were, there has been some some chest pounding from the Michigan media that now four of the five Michigan transfers have won their appeals. The fifth obviously being the James Hudson kid who Luke Fickle at Cincinnati was slamming Michigan and Jim Harbaugh for not being more supportive of the transfer. Um, and, uh, and I think the Michigan narrative now is look, man, no one's Har- Harbaugh's not trying to hold anybody back. Look at all our guys getting, getting waivers. You know, just because the one guy didn't doesn't mean that he's hating on a kid or a, or a program. So um, I thought that was uh, that was interesting. Gross. Chest pounding over who won and didn't win waivers. Gross. <laughs> yeah. That's I, I, I don't I don't like that football juju for you, Wolverines. I don't. Yeah. I don't like that at all. <laughs> all right. Coming up on the other side, sports lines. Kenny White next. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. 
The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And now it is our pleasure to welcome to the Cover 3 podcast, to welcome back Kenny White, the Wizard of Odds. You can see him on CBS Sports HQ. Uh, You can follow him on Twitter. You can just get all of his picks and the excellent descriptions by going to Sportsline, sportsline.com slash join. Uh, You can go and get some picks right now. Kenny, we are days away from the beginning of week one, or one day away from the beginning of week one. Um, How are you doing as we prepare for the college football? season chip and barton i can't wait it's so exciting that we've studied for such a long time to get ready for this you know this day starting tomorrow it's like this is so much fun and and the four games and i'm counting the two fcs fcs games on on over the weekend they were great too they really were um from this point out though now it's hey let's make adjustments and see where we're at and uh try to come up with the best number we can and try to pick some winners so when you've got your um, power rating system and uh, pl- and like please go and check out all of Kenny White's power ratings. They are available. Uh, you can get his services and you can find his picks through sportsline.com. Um, we, how, what kind of adjustments are made? For example, we've got the breaking news uh, today that Dylan Moses likely will be missing the entire season. Barton and I were just discussing the – you know, the impact that he has in terms of being a, a quarterback for the defense, getting everybody lined up, some of the depth issues they have at linebacker, some of the inexperience they have at linebacker. When you start to go in and make those adjustments to your power ratings, what does news like Dylan Moses's injury do uh, in terms of your adjustments for Alabama? This team's just so loaded. I, I, I really didn't have a big number on uh, Moses. I, I, I'm really surprised, you know, and I always say these numbers are, me- are, are meant to be adjusted. So I am going to go look back. I think I may, I have him a little underrated, maybe a lot underrated. So I'll adjust his rating, but that's just going to raise that team rating. 
and then I got to use one of the backups. Their, their backup linebackers are really good, uh, and there's guys with experience that have played before. So um, I'm expecting, uh, I think it's Benton, I can't see right now, but I'm in a, kind of a dark room, but uh, Benton is uh, an outstanding middle linebacker, six foot two, 235, has some experience. Um, they, they just reload, obviously, the draft, 47 guys the last five years, 11 first-rounders the last three years. It doesn't stop them from winning football games, 41-3, and three over the last three years. And they lost all those first-round draft picks. It just, just doesn't matter because there's, there's probably five first-rounders on this roster right now. So, Kenny, as, as the preseason starts to unfold, practices wrap up, uh, quarterbacks are being named as starters, depth charts are being released, injuries pop up, all the things that are going on in the preseason. Are there any, is there anything? Has, has any news cross your desk uh, within the last couple weeks, even in the, into the summer even, that has changed the way you looked at a team, your, your, your rating on a team in, in any sort of significant way? Well, it's the one we'll just look at is uh, the, the team already played, Miami of Florida. So Jaron Williams was named the starting quarterback over Tate Martell. And how I do things, I rate each individual player out. I get a power rating on them to how good they are above the average player. I had Tate Martell a three, three points better than the average college quarterback. I had Jaron, I have, I should stop and go to Nikosi Perry. I had Nikosi Perry a two points above average. And then uh, Jaron Williams, Richard freshman, I had him one point above average. So I don't, ha- I don't know a lot about Jaron Williams. I know his high school stuff. I know where he is. You know he's a tremendous athlete, but he has you know, very little experience. So when the coaching staff says they're going to start Jaron Williams, obviously they see way more potential in Williams than the other two quarterbacks, but is he going to be better than them right away? In, in this case, I thought, you know what? We know how good Nikosi Perry is, and that's his rating. He's only two points above average. He's not a great quarterback. He's barely above average. I know he's got to be as good as him if the quarter, if the coaches are going to start him ahead. So I actually, I raised Jaron Williams up to a three. I didn't take any, anything off their power rating for the first game, but then after watching, right, you know what, maybe he's not quite a three yet. And I adjusted, I don't like to be knee jerk. And then these adjustments sound so small and minuscule, but I dropped him to a two and a half. And I also dropped uh, Miami's offense down another half because it just looks like they're not in sync. Dan Enos can't get the plays in in time. Uh, they, they average 4.6 yards per play, but that's against a really good top 10 Florida defense. But that being said, see that point and a half adjustment I made now down on Miami's rating, that could give me a two or three point advantage playing against them the next time they play somebody. So I, I'm, I make adju- half point adjustments all the time on almost every team in the country after every week. The biggest adjustments I make are usually, you know, two, three points. Maybe I, I had to adjust a couple of those FCS teams this weekend. Uh, three points. What'd you make about Felipe Franks uh, on the other side? Because he is, uh, he is mercurial, I would say. And, uh, and certainly uh, can, can give as much as he can take away. So the, if, if I am, uh, if my eyes are looking ahead, you had Felipe, you had Felipe Franks at around a five heading into the season. Um, as in your power ratings, is he hanging tight around there after seeing him go up against a pretty good Miami defense? Yeah, it is a very good defense. Last year, you know, first year in the offense under Dan Mullen, I thought Franks did a good job. Uh, four to one touchdown ratio, just six INTs, and he throws, I think he threw two the first game against Miami. So uh, it's like Cole McDonald threw four, and he only threw 10 all of last season. Um, I'm not going to adjust Felipe Franks' rating down. My final box score number on that game, I, I, I crunch all the numbers in every every category, and they're all weighted differently. 
but the highest weighted category I have is yards per play. And they averaged 5.7 yards per play to 4.6 to Miami. Uh, the four turnovers were so costly, especially the first one. It was a seven or nothing lead. They're driving right down the field for the second time and uh, fumble at the 10 yard line. They lose it. Uh, they get the ball back. They fumble again and, and Miami gets good field position and they get a field goal. So it was those two turnovers actually cost Florida on minimum probably nine points. Um, so my box score final of this game was Florida 30, Miami, Florida 13. And that's why I had to adjust down on Miami and I adjusted up just a half a point on Florida. I didn't want to go crazy because, you know, sometimes uh, uh, these teams will have a letdown and, the, and that, so I don't want to have to raise them too high and then go back down and, you know, start zigzagging back and forth. I just want to have, try to have a strong rating and a good feel for that team. And I think that's a, a strong rating for them when they beat somebody better than, uh, better than them because Miami was definitely not a better team than them then I raised the rating even further well looking into this this weekend slate um has has anything really caught your eye as real value plays um games you love yeah there's a couple that I played I, I like South Florida a lot uh I think it's a Friday game they're getting 13 and a half or they were at home against Wisconsin uh, Wisconsin will be playing an inexperienced quarterback. I think there's too much change over there on this this team. Um, on the other side, I'm not a huge Charlie Strong fan. I thought when he got the job at Texas, uh, worst hire ever. Um, <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater made him look like a genius, and he got a job because of it. he's a very conservative coach, and he's a defensive coach. But that leads into my play and why I do like it in this situation. I think it's going to be a very low-scoring game. I can rely on Strong to be conservative, uh, run the ball, run the clock, and, and keep his team in the football game. And they, they have athletes. they got a good athletic football team. I think they can stay in the game. I think they can keep it close. Another one that I like a lot is, is Utah. I, they, I love the Utes this year. Um, I took a shot with them at 65-1 to 1 to win it all. I think they'll be a favorite in all 12 football games this year. Uh, as long as Huntley and Moss stay healthy last year, remember, uh, they were healthy the first nine games. The last three games, they were 0-3 ATS without those two guys and only 1-2 and straight up, but that one win was against BYU. They didn't even need their two stars last year to beat BYU, and they're better this year. I made Utah 12 and a half. I think laying five is, is, is a very cheap price. That's probably the biggest difference I have of any game this weekend. And people say, well, it's a rivalry game. It's not really a rivalry game. Utah's won eight straight. Somebody, you know, both teams have to win games for it to be a rivalry. Utah is just dominating, and with Whittingham in place, I think he dominates the uh, the Cougars again this weekend. I mean, that's speaking. That's, that's yeah, 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 that's that's we, speaking. We, like we were, <laughs> we were talking about that one uh, yesterday. Uh, it's it's. I mean, I, I I love Utah too. I'm just scared of this game, and I, I'm I maybe I'm getting <laughs> caught up a little too much in the rivalry aspect of it, but. Uh, Man, I just feel like that game has has a tendency to be pretty crazy. So, um, well, you know the the one thing that Bronco Mendenhall, why he left, he saw the writing on the wall. I, I read, he read, he, he wanted to stay. Uh, he loved Provo. Yeah. That was his home. That was going to be his life. That's where he was going to retire. But when they went independent, he said, "I cannot continue to get the same type of athlete I was getting before," and that was a big loss. And he, he he's a defensive guy, and his defense started to suffer. He went to the point where instead of playing that fast up-tempo passing, he had to slow things down on offense, and they were just trying to grind it out and stay in games. And he said, I, I'm going to go somewhere where I can recruit. And he left. He wanted to stay there his entire life, but he left because he couldn't get the talent. So you can't tell me if he couldn't get the talent, this coach is getting the talent. 
Um, you mentioned earlier the the yards per play is one of the stats that you put the a, a very high percentage of your own power rating system on. It's one that is going to carry a lot of weight. What are some of the other statistics that you know? I I don't know if if every single listener here is going to be able to have the the time and the energy to assemble the algorithms or even take their own stab at what the Kenny White secret sauce is. But what are some of the other statistical categories? that you think really uh, do seem to to matter in terms of trying to find out what these teams are in, in a predictive way, how they're going to perform on a week-to-week basis? Yeah, great question, Chip. And you're, you're right. It, it does take a lot. Of, it, you, you've got to automate this. Field position is a very valuable part of the game. So it comes into special teams, it comes into that punter, it comes into um, the punt returns, kick returns. And, and I can kind of calculate field position that way, but I can also get it off play by play. So uh, the team that wins the field position battle wins the game. I think it's about 78% of the time. Uh, whoever starts with the better field position wins 78% of the time. The teams that uh, the team that wins the yard per play wins about 80% of the time. And then teams that win the turnover battle win about 75% of the time. So it's, you know, those are, those are the three biggest that I use in my calculations and uh and then the quarterback play obviously i I have a power rating that i rate each quarterback uh, on his uh, completion percentage um interception percentage touchdown percentage and yards per pass percentage so i get a rating to compare with what i had so if i have to make an adjustment on a team the easiest guy would be the quarterback to adjust and you know a couple of the other things that i do with we do with our play-by-play data is we take out all the meaningless plays and we kind of grade the plays we give, we give more plus points for plays that are, that are kind of game changers, first down changers. You'll get more points for getting five yards on a third and four than you'll, than you'll get on a play that you got eight yards on third and nine that you didn't get the first down. That five yards and you got the first down to keep the chains moving, that five yards is worth way more than that eight yards because that defense, you know, they always say the guy came up a yard short. Well, he came up the yard short because the defense didn't allow him to get that nine yards. He stopped him in front of the yard marker so they wouldn't get a first down. You know, he cut the route off at the right time. So those plays are very meaningful. And also, you know, we take out all the garbage plays. We take out all the quarterback spikes, the quarterback kneel downs. Uh, we take out um, all the meaningless plays. In the, you know, when the game's out of hand late in the fourth quarter, so some of that data is just thrown out completely. We don't use any of it. We love. So, oh, go ahead, Barton. Well, I was just wanted to like for Florida Miami. I think is a great like though. So Florida Miami won the turnover battle four to one, but in watching that game, like it just looked to me like Florida was just or, or Miami was just sort of better at turning at like recovering fumbles, like just got on the ball quicker. Are we? Should I look at that as Miami? being skilled at recovering fumbles or should I look at that as Miami had a lucky game so don't go overboard on expecting them to get a bunch of turnovers every game you know they they have that turnover chain and 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 there's something to that when kids start to buy in and you make your kids believe that and if it's you know if it's being taught it's like a basketball team they they teach to take charges some do some don't so if they're working on turnovers and getting to the ground quick and recovering fumbles, maybe, maybe it, there, there's something there. I've always said you can't predict turnovers, and it, it, that we know how that ball is crazy shaped and it bounces funny ways. So I don't try to create uh, predict turnovers in my in my handicapping because I think it's impossible. I, I think that you know when you have a 30 point favorite 
that they're going to win the turnover battle. And the only way they can cover that spread is to win that turnover battle by at least a plus three margin. So if I was to make a line on a game and you have Alabama minus 30 over Duke, I'm going to say they're, they're plus they're minus two and a half turnovers. They're going to, they're going to create, they're going to win the turnover battle by two and a half, but I'm going to charge you about a dollar 80 plus 60. If you want Duke plus the turnover. So um, I can, I can equate that out to just past history and going back and look at games what the point spread was and how many turnovers there were in that game in those games. Of course, uh, you can get all of Kenny White's picks sportsline.com. And if you go to sportsline.com slash join and use the promo code trophy, you can get the first month of Sportsline for just $1. Kenny, you and I uh, are also often going head to head against each other with, uh, with college basketball picks as well on CBS Sports HQ on the Sportsline show. And I know that, um, you know, we're, we're both big believers in in pace and in number of possessions in a game you know how does how does your approach to you know what is your approach to totals for college football where we've got you know the the plays i guess become sort of our our operative um, our operative number there and and do you have a similar approach to trying to find an advantage by using pace uh, on the point totals Oh, 100%, Chip. It's all about pace. And I, I had a, a nice play in that Miami-Florida game over. Uh, I, went over I went over 49. The total dropped to 46. Um, I think I went over 45 and a half to dollar cost averaging to, to get me a little better bonus. I did win the second half over, but I, had to, I, make an, I have an over and under rating for every team in my book. That over and under rating is the offensive strength, the defensive strength and the pace of play for that team all rolled into one ball to make it nice and easy. You compare the two teams' numbers. I think I had Miami a uh, 28. I had Florida a 28 and a half, 56 and a half. You go to the chart, it says the total should be 57. Well, after crunching the box scores and looking through these, these numbers, Florida had 54 plays in 23 minutes. That's, that's about normal. They're not supposed to get 23 minutes. They're supposed to get 30 minutes, at least with football average. Um, and they would have had they would have had closer to 65, maybe 70 plays in that game, and 70 is the average. And I expect Florida to, to run about 68 to 70 plays a game. Miami, on the other hand, 66 plays in 36 minutes. And I said Dan Enos had a problem getting plays in. They took so long in between plays. This game only had 120 plays in it. The average college game has 144. So I got to adjust now, and I adjusted Miami down. And I hate to be knee jerk. And I'll, I, hopefully this will get corrected quickly with getting the plays in quicker, and we'll see Miami's plays per game go up as the season goes along. And as the quarterback gets more comfortable, and then I could start to raise my under and over number up. But it dropped to 25 and a half. I had to drop it two and a half points because of that. I kept Florida at a 28. I still think they're going to be a very offensive football team. But changing, making those adjustments, that 53 and a half that it adds up to those two teams now, you go to my chart. Uh, that total should have been 51. Um, so I still would have had a play, but I wouldn't have had as such a big difference in the game. And I still feel like I should have won that total. If Florida goes down the field and they get that touchdown and they they make it 14 to three, Miami's going to have to start playing a little bit faster. And that game could have gotten out of hand a little bit, but 17 points in the first quarter, when you're going over 45 and a half, you got to love that start. All right. I'm a Swiss Swiss. Whoa. I'm going to switch. <laughs> gears with you here uh kenny uh, big picture heisman trophy it feels like it's just sort of already everyone's decided it's going to be either Tua or trevor before this thing kicks off 
are, do you see a value Heisman play that you believe in is, is, is worth taking a shot on? Yeah, there, there's a couple that I did play. I, t- I took Jalen Hurts at 12 to 1. Um, and, you know, when I do my ratings, I don't like it as much because I heard uh, a gentleman named Stanford Steve was talking about Oklahoma's offensive line and how great it was last year, and all five guys went to the NFL, and that's their weakness. And, boy, I went back to look, and I do have Oklahoma's offensive line rated 54th in the country, and that continuity may not be there early. But I thought, you know, Jalen Hurts in this offense under Lincoln Riley with everything he has to prove, he's a, he's one hell of an athlete. And I think he can throw the ball. I think he learned a lot last year throwing the football. I think he could put up monster numbers, but that offensive line needs to come together in a hurry. Uh, the other uh, guy is Shea Patterson. I think in the new offense that Michigan's running, uh, they're so talented on defense. Michigan could run the run the table and go undefeated. Shea Patterson could have a, have a great year in that offense. And then the real long shot, Zach Moss, as I mentioned, for Utah. This guy's a beast. He's a first-rounder. Um, I think he could run for 2,000 yards and 25 touchdowns this year. And, and if, and if, if they, uh, Utah runs the Pac-12s, they're going to be favorite in every game. They go 12-0. and They win the championship game and go to the Final Four. Uh, this kid at 300-1 has a little bit of value. I got him at 300-1. I don't think he's going to win it, obviously, because we know if, if Tua or uh, Lawrence both stay healthy, that's the key word. If they don't stay healthy, then somebody else is going to sneak in. But they are the front runners. They are the two best quarterbacks in the country. He is Kenny White. You can, again, get his picks on Sportsline.com. And if you go to Sportsline.com slash join and use the promo code TROPHY, you can get your first month for just $1. You can see him on CBS Sports HQ. We'll be battling all season, Kenny. Thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us here on the Cover 3 Podcast. Thank you, guys. Yeah, enjoy the games this week and a lot of winners for everybody.